Good morning. Praise the Lord. Well, we're gearing up for a busy week this week. We have our um, Elevate Conference coming up this Friday and Saturday. So if you haven't registered, please go on and register because we want you here. We, if you want to help us, we'd appreciate all the help we can get. Um, and it's going it's to be exciting. It's been months in planning, and so we're really excited to see it actually unfold. And um, Adam's not here this morning. Um, I just, you can't help but miss him. I mean, come on, you know. He's Mr. Boisterous and loud, and he's in Restoration Life, and um, where is the rest? Is Redondo Beach, right? Redondo Beach area, and he's speaking uh, three times today. So if you think about him, send a prayer his way, because he's going back tomorrow f to speak again for a men's meeting. So four times in 24 hours. There's, there's a limit, people, and that's it. So we got to pray for him. He needs all the prayer he can get. And so we're just, I'm excited to bring the word to you this morning and to kind of fill in for him while he's gone. Um, there's been a lot of things that have been going on in this last week um, in the church, just in preparing for the conference, and just little things that happen here and there. And, and um, in the last few weeks, I've really been thinking a lot about obedience. And I've been studying it, and it's just been like the topic in my mind. And, and so I thought, well, you know what? If, if God's putting it in my heart for something, it's not just for me. So I'm going to share with you today what God has spoke to me. And, it, and we know that obedience, you know, it's, we can release the kids. I'm sorry. Let's release all the kids. Every, and the teachers, I think we already, yep, there's teachers right here. Follow teachers. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Ooh, good team back there. That's going to be a fun class. So as, as I've been studying obedience and, and thinking just, it's kind of hard, you know, because obedience is such a basic foundational principle of a Christian walk. It can get old, you know, it can get old talking about it. And it's like, okay, we're adults, we know how to obey. But do we? You know, do we is the question. It's always something that I feel I've struggled with throughout my life as a Christian. And, and forget being a Christian, just being as a, as a child and as a daughter um, of my parents. I think I struggled with obedience and just, you know, there's, there's that inner struggle that we all have. And, and I think when, as we're talking about obedience as Christians, it's even harder because Christ is usually asking us to obey him blind. You know, most of the time we're walking blind. When God says to do something, we're like, oh, how is this going to get, how is this going to happen? So it's even harder, and it can be the hardest thing that you will ever do when God asks you to do something. Sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's not so easy. I think about as a mom raising my kids, and you know that my, my baby is going to be 18 in January, so pretty much my kids are, are they're adults. And so I, I think about the struggle, how you could actually see in your kid's face the struggle to obey. Like you could watch it cross, cross over their eyes and you're just like, ooh, I see that little defiant spirit. Come when you tell them to do something and they're like, should I or shouldn't I? You know, it's that just watching your kids, it's amazing to think, wow, how'd that get in there? Because you know I didn't put that in there. That just came with the package. That came with them. And it's amazing what things come naturally. We don't have to teach our children how to speak in a negative way. It just happens. They do it all on their own. We don't teach our kids the word no. One of their first words is... As soon as those peas and carrots are uncracked and they're sitting on... And the lips are pursed... No word is spoken. It's just. And then comes the big ones. The, I can't. It's too hard. I'm scared. I don't like you. And the infamous, I'm bored. We didn't have to teach our kids any of those things. Right? It just came totally natural. What we did have to teach them or are teaching them is how to speak in a positive way, how to obey rather than disobey. That stuff does not come naturally. Now, of course, you know I have to use an example, and 
We all know my prime example in our home has always been Jordan. <laughs> I think he's very proud of that situation. But um, I remember when Jordan was in about fourth or fifth grade, and our little kitchen window over the sink overlooked the driveway. And so Jordan was very much into skateboarding at the time. And, you know, he was the determined, stubborn one of my children. And he had his little, kick, his little skateboard out there, and he was attempting to do a kickflip. And so he was trying to do it over and over again. You just kept hearing that board slam on the ground, slam on the ground. And then finally came the words, oh, shoot. It wasn't shoot. And right before I could even say anything, Adam walks into the kitchen. So there's two windows, right? So the words just came flying through the screen. And Adam just goes up to the window, and he's like, what did you say? Nothing, nothing, sorry. So then not even three minutes, maybe less, that, that skateboard, boom. Oh, shh, sorry, all connected in one sentence. And Adam's like already out the back door going like, you better not let me hear that word come out of your mouth again. So then the third time, not even a minute this time, the habit has formed. And he, you hear that skateboard hit the ground. Oh, sorry. And he starts running down the cul-de-sac as fast as he can while Adam's charging behind him. Come back here. I was mortified because I knew, like, we live on a cul-de-sac. Every neighbor is, like, looking out their window, like, oh, my God, what's going on? But we didn't have to teach Jordan that. He went to school. He heard it. We didn't have to teach him the words not to use and the words to use. I, I know it's shocking to many of you here, but swear words have never been in my home. Since I've been married, that's 27 years, and my childhood. I'm not even going to tell you how long that is. But anyways, that's a lot of years that there's never been swear words in my home. But even though I didn't teach them to my children, guess what? They knew how to say them. We had to try and teach them not to say them. And it's crazy to think about all the things that we just don't have to learn. All the things that come naturally. All the sinful things that come so naturally. We don't have to teach our kids to disobey we have to teach them how to obey. And it's the same as children of God. We have to learn to be obedient. And it's not something we can learn in the moment when we're faced with a decision. Most of us can't trust ourselves to say no to temptation in the moment. We are weak. Since birth, we have been weak. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus, in this scripture, he's warning his disciples. He's warning the men that were literally closest to him, the men who walked with him during his ministry here on earth. And you would think that at this point in time, this is after the Last Supper, this is right before Jesus is going to be arrested. So you'd think at this point they'd figured out obedience but he's warning them in one of his last encounters with them before the cross, be careful, be alert. You cannot do this on your own. Be ready so when the temptation comes, which it will, you won't fall because you prepared, because the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And he's telling them you have to plan to be obedient. This is going to be a very straightforward and simple message this morning. But I believe this is what God has placed in my spirit for us this morning. I hope that you can leave today with just morsel inside, something to think about and chew on this week, checking up on your own level of preparation for obedience. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us, the freedom that we have to worship, to come together as the body of Christ, and to hear your word spoken. We pray your anointing on each word. God, open hearts, prepare our minds, God, to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, let's just take a close look at Abraham's story, because he was a man that planned his position throughout his life to be ready to be ready to obey. The text we're going to be in is Genesis 22, verses 1 through 18. I'm just going to read through this story and just kind of give us a refresher of Abraham and Isaac's story. The Bible says in verse 1 that sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, 
Here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. And early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up. And he said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he said. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So a few things that I just kind of want to tear apart this story this morning and look at some of the things that Abraham can show us about preparation. The first thing is actually preparation. The one thing I noticed right away in this story, if you caught that, is in verse 3, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, he loaded his donkey, and when he had cut enough wood for the offering, he set out for the place God had told him. So Abraham didn't just obey, but he immediately obeyed. Immediately, early the next morning. This scripture tells us there was no hesitation on his part. In fact, it was the exact opposite. He got up early and he began loading his donkey. He had servants by this time in his life that would have done all of the preparations. Yet the Bible says he was doing the preparation. He was cutting wood for a three-day journey. He was saddling his donkey. Someone wasn't doing it for him, but he was doing it all. And when you think about what he's going through in his heart and in his mind, you would think that probably he hadn't slept much the night before. I know I wouldn't. And I believe part of the reason that he was doing all of this preparation on his own was because he had to stay busy. He had to stay busy doing something. He had to keep himself busy and keep his mind busy. He wasn't leaving anything to chance. He wasn't leaving it in the hands of someone else. And maybe, just maybe he wanted to make sure that things were done right. Maybe he just simply wanted to stay so busy that his mind couldn't wander off where it shouldn't go. What God was asking him to do could have been a very easy task to just say, well, you know, let me, let me pray about it for a while. But he didn't. He didn't talk himself out of it. He just immediately started a preparation to obey. And throughout his lifetime, immediate obedience was a consistent trait that Abraham showed. In Hebrews chapter 11, we know that as the faith the historical faith chapter of all the great heroes. And it says in verse 8 that by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And in Genesis 17, there's a story in the Bible where God tells Abraham to circumcise every male in his household, and he goes and does it the exact same day. So there was this immediate action that Abraham would take when God would give him a direction. And that preparation to obey was something he learned to do and to do it very well. So this time when God spoke, that 
hardest thing imaginable to Abraham. He knew how to prepare. He knew how to obey. And so immediately he starts gathering up the supplies that he's going to need for this three-day journey to Mount Moriah. In Ecclesiastes 5.8, the Bible says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it because he has no pleasure in fools, so fulfill your vow. So this scripture is showing us don't delay because if the enemy can't get you to disobey, we know that he's going to try to convince us to delay. This would have been so easy for Abraham. I'll just wait right here until I understand what you're asking me, God. Till you explain yourself just a, a little bit more. Well, I'll fast and pray for a week just so I can understand clearly what you're saying. Until you tell me why, I'll be waiting here for you. And when God calls us to do something and we have no idea how to do it, we have to realize that that's the moment when he's activating our faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we should expect that anything he asks us to do is going to require faith to get it done. We won't get all the answers. Abraham didn't get all the answers. We may not get all the answers we want as long as we're walking on this earth. And that's okay. Because we walk by faith and we do not walk by sight. When we walk by faith, it's not always going to take us to the most scenic and beautiful places and the gardens. Sometimes we're going to be walking through hard and dry and desolate ground. By faith, Abraham, he gathered all those supplies ahead of time. He planned an overnight camping trip, and he rationed out his food. He rationed out his water. By faith, Abraham walked three days. Must have been unbearable torture in this father's mind. There are no scriptures that tell us how, what he was thinking or how he was feeling. And it's not because... He didn't feel some pretty desperate feelings. He was a man. There was nothing supernatural about Abraham. What would you be thinking on a journey that was taking you closer and closer to the most painful sacrifice? That was taking you closer and closer to doing the hardest thing that you've ever been asked to do. What would be going through your mind for three days? Because that's what he was thinking. And the Bible says he prepared. Every step was by faith. Every step fought against the fear, against the what ifs. And he just kept walking. And Abraham prepared for as much as he knew how to prepare for. Even though he trusted God that every detail would be worked out, Abraham still had to get to the place that God told him to go. He needed to be there at an appointed time. He needed to be there because there was a time and a place for a miracle to happen. All he knew how to do was prepare for what he did, the journey. He didn't stall. He didn't delay. His preparation was key to his obedience. The second thing we can see in this story that's necessary for planning our position to obey is accountability. In Hebrews 20, uh, Genesis 22.3, it says, he took with him two of his servants. Just a simple line, he took with him two of his servants. Abraham's choice to bring those two servants along may have been to provide help, carrying enough supplies, food, water, all the things that he would need. Or maybe he needed them to come along for the companionship as he walked these next hard few days into what would be this difficult time of a sacrifice. It makes a huge huge difference who we are positioning ourselves with. I think a lot of times in our weakest moments, we can have a tendency to pick people we know that are going to tell us what our flesh wants to hear. They're going to agree with what we're agreeing with at the time, rather than people that would point us back to what our spirit needs to hear. We've all had times where we just don't want to hear it. And I say we've all had times. There were times just recently in the last few years when I was going through the hard issues with sickness. And I think it was like that third round I got home and worship was playing. And I know, you know, the whole atmosphere of the home had been set. I wanted it off. 
turn it off. I want silence. I don't want to hear anything. There's times in our life that we are going to want to turn it all off. The one thing that the Bible says that he took these two servants, but he never shared with them what the Lord told him to do. And when he did speak to them, he was speaking out of his faith to them. He was using them as witnesses. He knew what God was asking him to do was nuts. Abraham knew it was crazy. Had he shared it with these two men, they would have agreed with him that this is insane. They probably would have encouraged him not to go through with it. They would have probably even offered, let us go, we'll go find an animal for you to sacrifice. Why don't you let us take Isaac home and protect him? And then you can just go to the mountain and talk to God and figure out what's going on. Maybe they would have even shared these plans with Sarah. I mean, it was really in Isaac's best interest. That would have really put a kink in Abraham's plans. And there's a reason why Abraham didn't even share what God asked him to do with his wife. The only words he spoke to these two men that is recorded is we will go worship and then we will come back to you. Maybe he brought these two with him to be able to speak his faith out loud and have witnesses to hear it. Find your people, church. The ones that when you feel like hearing it and when you don't, God's truth will be spoken and they will override your need for your flesh to hear the words. People you can be transparent with, people that you can be accountable to, and be wise in choosing those people. You cannot, as a Christian, be transparent and accountable to unbelievers. You can't. It's not possible. 2 Corinthians 6.14 warns us. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. For how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? The original text to this scripture says, don't be unequally yoked. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul is teaching. And in his teaching, he's telling us not to be in this world, but we not to be of this world, but we are to be in it, like above it, the influence, always living above the influence. A good example of this scripture is that we are a ship on the water, but there is no water inside of our ship because it can it does not contaminate us. If we are being influenced by the people around us and the entertainment industry and books we read and Instagram posts, television shows, news media, even through our worldly Christian friends, this is being unequally yoked. And most Christians are absolutely careless about the things and the people that they allow to influence their minds and their lives. When I was studying This scripture out, one commentary I read said this, and I want to share it with you. It says, such persons who are choosing to be unequally yoked cannot even say the portion of the Lord's prayer, lead me not into temptation, when they are plunging into it all on their own. That's a scary place to find yourself. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, the Bible says, evil company corrupts good habits. And we can say it corrupts good intentions. It corrupts good morals. So who are you accountable to in order to be obedient in what God has called you to do or in the future in what God is going to call you to do? We have to plan our position. And even the best intentions won't matter if you choose to be surrounded by people and friends that are of this world. They will never understand what God is calling you to do. Through the years of our ministry here, I cannot tell you how many marriages we've seen fail, how many people we've seen fall away from God, all because of the people they positioned themselves with. The Bible is clear, church. Do not be unequally yoked. Find people that are like-minded in the things of God, people that will say the truth even when you don't want to hear it, Position yourself with them. And the third thing we can see in Abraham's characteristics here is he was intentional. 
In verse 6 of this story, Abraham, it says Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. He himself took the fire and the knife. Along with the wood that they had carried for three days, he also carried fire. And if you were to study out this portion of text and back in, these, in this time in the Bible days, there would have been no way for Abraham to climb up that mountain and just, just start a fire from scratch. There was no way to do that. And so he literally had to carry with him glowing pieces of charcoal or other embers inside a small piece of pottery that he would carry along with him and nurse along the fire as he walked. Can you imagine that? Every half a mile, every mile, every 10 minutes, he'd have to hold up. I got to check my fire supply. And he'd blow into that little bowl of embers and make sure, stoke that little fire to make sure that it was not going out. Do you see what that shows us? Is that Abraham refused to leave anything to chance. He didn't just start heading up that mountain thinking, well, I hope I find some wood and fire up there. He could have easily said, God, you're asking me to do this incredibly insane thing, then you better provide everything I need to get it done. How many times have I done that in my life? When God has asked me to do or to speak or to say something hard, and you're like, well, okay, then you provide everything I need for it. Line it up. I'm not going after them. You line it up. We've done it. He could have easily forgotten something to delay the process. I mean, this is his only child. But no, Abraham prepared to make sure he could fulfill what God asked him to do. His planning ahead put him in position to hear what God would say or do next. Maybe as he walked for those three days towards the ultimate sacrifice with everything he needed to get it done, maybe because he was not taking any chances at all, but because he was carrying everything he needed to accomplish the task that was set before him, he knew God would see that intentionality. The Bible says that God sees the heart of man. So God was watching him. He saw him preparing for this, carrying all the supplies for this sacrifice for three days. God saw him pausing and checking up on his little fire starter. And then God saw him climbing that mountain with everything that he would need to get it done. He was doing all of this while hoping and praying and believing that God would provide another sacrifice because of his obedience these last three days. Because of his heart, his intentions revealed his faith. This is what obedience looks like. This kind of obedience to back up our faith, it invites miracles to happen. It puts us in position for a miracle. I can't help but think about, because it was such a defining moment in my walk um, with the Lord and in my relationship with my husband, um, and I've shared it so many times, but I remember back when, when we had had our boys and we had lost that third pregnancy and, and we were getting discouraged and I was getting discouraged and I was mouthing off and saying things, you know, like, oh, you know, basically forgetting the preparation, forgetting it all, just like, I don't, I'm fine. I don't need any, anything else. Even though God promised me a little girl, I don't, I, I'm, I'm fine with my boys. Basically, an in-your-face type of comment to God. I don't need anything else. I'm good. And I remember the next day in that same window and washing my dishes and seeing Adam back up his little pickup truck and start unloading that furniture into the, the, the garage and covering it all up with a blanket. And he walked in and he never said a word. And I went out there to see what he had done, and he had bought a whole entire bedroom set for a little girl with little roses carved into the furniture. He didn't say a word. He just put it in there. Because when you are intentional and you bring your own little fire starter, when you bring your own wood, it's an invitation for miracles. Adam was planning our position as a leader of our home. And when you plan your position, God sees, and God sees your heart, and he 
He does a supernatural miracle. These three things that Abraham shows us, he did these three things to ensure his obedience, to ensure that God would see his heart. And the Bible says that out of the heart of man flows every evil thing. So that warning tells us that we have to prepare. We have to be accountable. We have to be intentional because we cannot trust ourselves in the moment to get to the place where God needs us to be to fulfill the calling that he's called us to do. We have to be prepared and accountable and intentional. And if we don't have these traits in our lives, then we desperately need to start developing them. We should be preparing our position daily. You know, when you read your word just by itself, let alone worship and everything else, but if you just read your word, it's going to tell you things that you are called to do, ways that you are called to be obedient daily, and what we need to be carrying with us to ensure that we are obedient when those times come. Preparing to obey should be a lifestyle in our lives, carrying all that we need to obey, keeping our fire starter ready to use. We should have people we can be accountable to at every stage of our life. And those people will change. And it's okay. We never outgrow the need to be accountable. Find your people, and not people that will agree with you, but people that will always agree with him. People that will give you the godly advice from his word. People that will encourage you to continue walking in obedience and walking towards the miracle. People that will help you carry your supplies when they have no idea what God has asked you to do, but they just come alongside and they just help you carry what you need to carry. As I was preparing this message, my mind kept going back to a few years ago, and it was October of 2018. And our church had been going through some really big transitions at that time. Um, Adam was starting to step up into the leading of, of the church and... Um, we had just changed a lot of things. Brent and Cindy were here with us, and they were taking over the worship. And so we were finding ourselves come October at our big yearly conference, and we were finding ourselves in the sweetest moments of this transition. Everything that we had been preparing for, it seemed like God was just laying it up for a miracle. And this particular weekend, we had been having this conference, and the Holy Spirit had just wrecked us this conference. This particular week, there had been such a freedom of worship that had been unleashed. It was the first time in our church services that everybody came swarming up to the front during worship. There was breakthroughs happening during worship, and it felt so good coming up into that last night of our conference. We'd done it all. We prepared for this. We're ready for this. And all of our leaders that have been positioning themselves with us along these last few months, right alongside with us, we had Joe and Ello, and we had Danny and Zio, we had Luis and April, and, and Brynn and Cindy, and Rachel and Ted were beside us, and we were excited. It was something new and fresh. You could feel it. And that last night, as we were getting ready to begin that service, ready to make the finale night our special announcements, that five-minute countdown went up on the screen. And Adam's phone rang, and he was sitting back here. And all the plans and everything just suddenly didn't make sense. He got the call that that service right before our friend and Rachel's husband, Ted, had suddenly passed away. They were supposed to be there that night. They'd been planning with us. They'd been preparing with us for this. They were stepping into their next season of ministry. We were announcing them as our marriage and family pastors. We'd obeyed everything God had laid on our hearts up until that moment. And I think we replayed that five-minute countdown several times. And then Adam went out there to make the announcement. This devastating announcement, nothing like the announcement we thought we were going to make that night. And everyone, you could hear an audible gasp come from everyone, ready, down here ready to start worshiping and celebrating. Just an audible gasp came out. And we just 
decided right then and there, whatever's happening, whatever spiritual warfare, whatever's going on, we're going to celebrate this moment. We're going to celebrate him into heaven. We're going to worship with everything we've got as a church. And we stood up here and that first chord hit and we just started worshiping. There were tears down every face and we were worshiping and celebrating our brother into his home because he had finished the race he had prepared and was never, never without the things that he needed to obey God. If anything, he set us up to know what, what it is to call and be prepared no matter what God calls you to do. He was coming into that service prepared that night, getting dressed to come and step into his next step of ministry in his life to become a marriage and family pastor. And instead he stepped into the, into eternity. And let me tell you something, church, Rachel was preparing right along with him. They had been preparing for this together. Now that did not make sense for him. He's celebrating. He's done. Oh God. Every reward that he got, it was waiting for him. But for Rachel, she did it too. But suddenly what she'd been preparing for was nothing what she had expected. You know, sometimes God's not going to give you a replacement for the altar. Sometimes he's not going to provide the ram. And you have to be okay with that. You have to still be obedient with that. As hard as it was, and it still is, I know, for Rachel, she planned her position to be obedient no matter what. And because of that preparation, she did not skip a beat. She still took those tiny steps in the same direction, totally blind, by faith, speechless, because she had no never even realized what God was going to call her to do was going to be so much harder. Rachel had prepared to obey even if plans weren't anything what she'd planned for. The people she had aligned her life with for accountability, they helped to carry her along. The intention to obey no matter what has helped to walk through what could have been a time that should have crushed her and what has crushed many others in that position. But today, she still reaches out. She counsels husbands and wives. She teaches classes, and she even counsels children how to walk through grief and loss. And it might not be the way that she envisioned ministering to families three years ago. In fact, it's probably nothing like it. But because she prepared to obey, because she stayed true to her intentions and stayed accountable three years ago, the Lord has never left her side. His calling has not changed on her life. His anointing has not changed on her life. And as one of my favorite speakers and writers once said, following Jesus and obeying Jesus is, is its own reward because faith is about the company more than the scenery. God honors it when we plan our position to obey. The life of obedience in Christ, it's not a by-chance game. It's not a gamble. It's not a crapshoot where the odds are always going to be against you. When we throw everything we have into this life of obedience to Christ, we have already won the big prize. The moment we surrender our lives, our hearts, we have the promise of eternal life with Christ. But it does not stop there. That's where it starts. And when we choose to start daily prepping, and preparing to obey in whatever he speaks, and whatever we read in his word, when we make our life a lifestyle of preparing, a lifestyle of accountability, of being transparent, of intentionality, that's when we get to live in obedience. And God honors the obedience, and God will always bless obedience. If you're familiar with Abraham's story, you know that the angel of the Lord, he calls out to him at the very last moment. 
Literally, Abraham's got his knife, and he's ready to slay his son. And the angel cries out from heaven and says, Stop, don't hurt him, because you have not withheld anything from me, even your only son. And then Abraham, it says in Genesis 22, 13, looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he took the ram, he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. His planning ahead positioned him to hear what God would say next. To be there at that exact moment that there would be a ram caught in the thicket. His obedience took him up that mountain so the Lord could provide everything he needed for obedience. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What do you need? What are you asking for? Because on the mountain of the Lord, when you position yourself in obedience and you prepare to obey, you find yourself on the mountain of the Lord at the exact moment when you need a ram in the thicket. It's when God provides. It's that last moment when your faith doesn't think it can hold on for another single moment. That's when you find yourself on the mountain of the Lord. The Bible goes on to say in that same story that the angel said to Abraham, because of this, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies and through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed me. All of the blessing because you have obeyed me. Church, we have to plan our position, preparation, accountability, and being intentional. It's a lifestyle of obedience. If we were to fast forward in the Bible from Abraham and Isaac, once again to Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples, and he's now going to have to lay himself down on the altar. He's getting ready to do the greatest sacrifice of all time. And the Bible says at Jesus' last supper, right before he's going to go suffer, he knows what's coming. He's going to die on the cross. Here he is with his disciples. And the Bible says in Matthew 26, 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And I just found that so interesting that they had just finished the last supper and they sang a hymn. Sometimes all we can do is worship. When we don't know, we don't have the answers, all we can do is sing. And Jesus sang on the night before he was crucified. He would have sang three psalms if you are to study it out after a Passover meal. And it would have been Psalms 116 through 118. And I challenge you this week to take a closer look at those, at those particular Psalms, 116 through 118, because he knew what was coming. And these are the words that came out of his mouth. Let's look at them in Psalms 116, verse 17. One of the scriptures he would have sang says, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people and in the courts of the house of the Lord. In your midst, Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Psalms 117.1, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you people, for great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalms 118.17, I shall not die, but I will live, and I will declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. You will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. Psalms 118:27. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horn of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. It sounds like Jesus was literally positioning himself to obey. He was singing himself into obedience. 
speaking these psalms out, prophesying his own sacrifice to bind the sacrifice with cords to the altar. He was singing his own position, prophesying that he will hold that position on the altar. Despite it all, he prophesied in song, I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of God. Hours before, he was worshiping his position. He was preparing his mind, preparing his flesh for the moment that would require complete obedience. He didn't leave anything to chance. After they sang, the, the Bible says that he went and he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And all the way up to his separation from his father, during those hardest moments in his life, he was planning his position, making sure and ensuring that there would be no failure on his part. We can't trust that we will have the strength to be obedient to what God is telling us to do or not do in the moment. That's why one of the last things he says to his disciples is the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, so watch and pray. Jesus found victory at the cross because he planned his position in the garden of Gethsemane. At the same time, in that same scripture and in that same garden Peter was in there with Jesus but he couldn't even stay awake and Jesus is looking at him and saying you need to stay alert your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak but because he failed in that moment of preparation he would deny Christ hours later they were both in the same garden hours earlier one was able to be obedient and one was not we have to be prepared, church. We have to be ready to say yes or to say no before we ever get to that moment in our lives. Plan your position. Plan it in advance to ensure our obedience when we are in that pressure moment. The spiritual battle of obedience. The spiritual battle of obedience is often won or lost way before the moment of temptation. It is often lost way before the crisis happens, way before the loved one dies, way before the doctor tells you that you're sick, way before the marriage betrayal, way before the unexpected. It's won or lost way before. That's why Christ is showing us how to plan our position to obey in advance to prepare, to be accountable, and to be intentional. We are in such a crucial time in our world, church. We, can, we have the opportunity to be a light in this dark, dark place, but we have to prepare. We have to be accountable, and we have to be intentional in what God has called us to do. Plan your position to obey. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your words. We thank you for your example, God. That there's nothing that you are asking us to do, God, that you have not already done. Oh, Father, we want to walk in your footsteps. We want to walk in your teachings. God, help us to prepare. Father God, help us, Father God, to find the core people, God, around us to be accountable to, God. Father God, help us, God, to be intentional, God, in our steps, God, intentional in our preparation, intentional in our supplies that we need, Father God. Help us, God, to pause and to blow on that fire starter, Father God, throughout our days, throughout the moments, Father God, when we're struggling. Father God, help us not leave anything to chance, but God, we would plan our position to obey. We want to just invite, if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord, I don't ever want to close out a service without asking and inviting you. If there's anyone here that does not know the Lord that we've been talking about this morning, and there's a tugging in your heart, and it's the Holy Spirit trying to penetrate your heart and tell you, oh, this is, this is what you need. He is what you need. 
There's nothing this world can offer. Oh, but Jesus, Jesus paid the price for us. Jesus paid the price for our sins. Jesus paid the price for our sicknesses. And if that's you this morning, and you don't know this God that we're talking about, but you want to accept him into your life, I encourage you this morning just to raise your hand and we will happy pray with you this morning, spend time with you this morning. If there's anybody here, I'm going to say that we're all saved here this morning. I'm going to assume that. Obedience is something we all struggle with, church. There were many days, like I said in the beginning of my message, that I want, I said, Siri, stop playing that music. You didn't see that. You saw me up here doing my message shorts or speaking what God was showing me, but there were times of wrestling church. We all have them. No one is exempt. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is so weak. We have to plan ahead to be obedient. Plan our position. And if that's you in any way, planning ahead, being accountable, being intentional in your preparation, intentionality. If that's you, I want you to just stand to your feet because we're going to pray and we're going to agree today that we're going to put effort in the preparation. We're going to put effort in the planning. We are going to put effort in our accountability and start being a little bit more transparent than we have been in the past because we need it. We need people in our lives that we can be transparent to. Put put us in a position where somebody will speak to our spirit man instead of our flesh man and condone it. Oh God, help us. Raise your hands, church. Let's just agree together. Father, we stand in this position, Father God. We place ourselves, God, in this humble state, God, that we want to prepare, God, in advance. Help us, oh God. Help us, Father God, in our preparation not to leave anything to chance, not to just trust what we believed and what we've been taught our whole life, oh God. But I pray, God, you will help us to prepare, God, to position, God, to fill ourselves with supplies that we need to stand firm, to take those small steps, God, continually in the same direction, God, no matter what we face, no matter what you call us to do. Father, I pray you will give us everything we need to do it, to accomplish what you've called us to do here on this earth, oh God. Help us, God, to prepare. Help us, God, to be intentional. Help us, God, to be accountable, God. And I pray, Father God, that we will be able to stand before your throne just like our brother Ted did and say, oh God, I gave it all I had. I was prepared for more, but since you took me now, I'm here with everything as an offering at your feet, God. And let him say those words to us, good and faithful servant, welcome into your reward. Father, we praise you and we worship you, Jesus. Help us, God. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, we pray blessing, God, upon each person, God, that is allowing your word to penetrate their spirit this morning. God, wreck us this week, oh God. Help us to see areas in our life that need to be checked, God. And give us the strength to check them, Father God. And to move forward, Father God. And to reach out to someone else and to help them alongside, God. Help us, God, this week. Go out. Go before us. Come up beside us. Walk alongside us this week, oh Jesus. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.